0: This podcast will discuss controversial subjects in what some may think is a derogatory way. We fully respect everyone's freedom of religion and our freedom of speech. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to Remedial Sunday School, where we provide our friend Jen... With the Sunday school she missed while growing up secular. And I contribute with the colorful
0: commentary. I'm Tanya, a slightly traumatized former Catholic.
1: I'm Claire,
2: born in the Bible belt and now living in the Midwest. And I'm Jen. I grew up a godless heathen in a happy secular household. I'm looking forward to being traumatized by the same stories that Tanya and Claire were. Solidarity. So you guys, why don't we explain the hows and whys of why we decided to make this podcast?
1: I study medieval art and religion, an occupation in part motivated by never getting the answers I wanted about how women practice Christianity. I saw the VeggieTales Jonah movie in theaters and may have participated in biblical skits in the backyard with my homeschool friends in kindergarten.
0: I'm also a scholar of medieval art and religion who has been known to drop some innocuous Christian facts in my day-to-day life. And I'm a
2: scholar of pre-modern and early modern Japanese literature and visual culture. I'd like to assure you all that technically I'm a certified smart person, but Japanese studies has not really helped me understand very much about the Bible and other religious things. Thus, I have had my mind blown by some pretty basic knowledge about Jesus stuff that uh, Tanya and Claire have just dropped in everyday conversation.
0: Basically, Claire and I, with a group of circulating guests and friends, will provide Jen with religious education she missed through the lens of our grown-up scholarly experience.
2: Yes, this shall be the most professional, rigorously
1: academic of all podcasts. As always, sources, interesting images, reading recommendations, and whatever else we think might be hilarious will be posted along with the episode. Today, we're talking about sex as Jen has cleverly titled this episode let's talk about sex baby and I think it's important to clarify some spelling here right we're not talking about (laughs) S-E-X or even S-E-X-T-S but rather the perhaps neglected S-E-C-T-S sex aka all the different variations the 31 plus flavors of Christianity if you will Baskin Robbins joke? Anyone? Mm-hmm. No,
2: jokes? no, I got it. I, I, I'm catching what
0: you're putting down. <laughs> Tanya just looked really I,
2: confused.
0: I wasn't <laughs> until you said it, and then I was like, "Oh right, Baskin Robbins." You forget that I grew up like out of fucking nowhere, so I don't. I, I don't get the best I've only been to Baskin Robbins like twice in my entire life, so.
2: There's that. Got to get the clown cone at one point when you're a kid, and then an ice cream cake if you're your token '90s kid with access to a Baskin Robbins slash 31 flavors, whatever they're
0: calling themselves now. I never had any of that, but I'm there happy. one like for five those blocks season.
1: from where I grew up, so like I'd go walk down to spend
2: my chore money on. At one point when I was in Japan, Baskin Robbins there, it's called 31, just 31, and <laughs> 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 well, okay, it's called Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can get what it's, you know, saying. saying. Um, they had a tomato and basil flavored ice cream. I'm like, you know, I applaud, you know, the broadening of flavor horizons and exploring these things, but uh, not for me, thank you. <laughs>
0: Isn't in Japan they have like it's like not as um like they don't like stuff like super super sweet ah uh, I mean they say that but <laughs> <laughs> I mean this is the this is the the place of the mecca of Kit Kats so many mm-hmm. Kit Kats I'm a jealous. rainbow of
2: Kit Kats everyone denies that they like so called American style sweetness but they never refuse it. And never refuse it, and so I just politeness. this. And I've tasted some pretty sweet things in Japan. (laughs) So. So,
1: I guess maybe, Jen, perhaps you should start us out by telling us. Are you asking
2: me what kind of sects I'm aware about? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. This joke will never get old. So, um, if Mormon would be considered a sect, or it, I really don't know what the difference is, like, how you differentiate, but if there's a differentiation between just, like, they're all Catholic or whatever, but then under the umbrella of Catholicism, there's, like, I don't know, the Franciscans and the um, <laughs> Jesuits. I'm only oh pulling boy. from who traded in the port of Nagasaki in Japan in the Edo period. I assume those are Catholic. I don't <laughs> really super know for sure. Um, So, like, I don't know, like, if that's a sect or like is like Mormonism a sect or like how do you divide this pie? I don't know. <laughs> so
1: as with a lot of things on this podcast, it depends on who you ask as to how they divide the pie. If you asked Mormons if they were consider themselves part of like a, a Christian sect, they would say yes. But then if you ask a lot of and maybe Tanya, I, you can offer the Catholic opinion, but I feel like a lot of Protestants would say that like Mormons are or Latter day Saints, whatever they prefer to be. They've been a lot of rebranding
2: of... Yeah, you know, I'll use their, their preferred name creativity. when they start using the preferred pronouns of trans people. If
1: you asked a lot of Protestants if Mormons mm-hmm. are a sect of Christianity, they would say, like, not really. Like, derived from but no longer in the family, right?
0: Like, they married out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't and know. Also, like, what would Protestants say if someone who was Catholic was like, oh, yeah, you're just a sect of Christianity or a sect of Catholicism? They'd probably be like, no.
1: So I feel like in explaining like the Protestant reaction to like some things that will be on our flow chart of like, I feel like most Protestants wouldn't get too mad at you if you like, say, if you were raised Baptist and you married a Presbyterian, they'd be like, eh, but like, it's okay. It's all still within the umbrella. But like, if you married a Mormon or even to, for some people, some Protestants, if you married a Catholic, that would be like, uh. Can't speak from experience.
0: Catholicism. Okay.
2: What I'm hearing is there's a lot of gatekeeping in the gates of heaven.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So community. Saint Peter has Gate-filled the keys. filled or gay filled?
2: I have. I okay. <laughs> I,
0: I you know I everybody's would hope it would be gay
2: filled. It would be everybody's I, you know, my, gay.
0: My motto for everything in life is: Can you make it gayer? So I just have a question. So Saint Peter has the keys to heaven. In your Protestant evangelical background does saint peter still have the keys only in new yorker cartoons like it's not like
1: an actual like Mm -hmm. i'd say it's like a saint peter having the keys to the pearly gates is like understood colloquialism but it's not like actually like a thing
0: yeah because that was like you don't believe in saints
1: yeah no it's more it was
0: way more about like
1: your personal relationship with jesus and have you you need to go do that altar call
2: again
0: Yes, uh, listeners, we will talk about saints at one point. I know a lot about saints. Oh, so
2: Catholic so. heaven sounds a little bureaucratic. You got to go through, you know, the right <laughs> window to you go through all the paperwork to, fight, to see if you, you can have, enter. You have to go through your specific channels. Very German slash Japan style, uh, very bureaucratic. Okay, is it as yeah. bureaucratic in uh, Protestantism? I'd say in
1: Protestantism, like there's still bureaucracy, but it's much more about you like did you fill out
2: the form correctly
1: not so much so, like here's so all the forms that have to be filled out
0: so very um, selfish <laughs> that's what I'm getting right
2: we, we call that independent they're bootstrapping their way to heaven okay <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's that's a pretty darn good way of saying it. Like, something, something. That Protestant work ethic came yeah. from somewhere, right? That's a thing. I've heard the phrase like good old Protestant work ethic. Of course, it's been mobilized for you know capitalism and exploiting labor and everything like that.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's in that with like that WASPy yeah like, Anglo-Saxon
0: Protestant,
1: ignoring the fact that it's all built on generational wealth. But
0: um... mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know, Eastern Europeans. So it's not part of my childhood. I was raised by people who didn't speak english was the first language so mm. i don't know i've never heard this before also like only grew up around catholics until i was older and a bad mormon which we'll get to um <laughs> <laughs> so to start off with i guess
1: for jen's diagrams of illustrating the different sects of christianity i'd say the like one most people might be casually familiar with and you can stop me if i'm assuming wrongly jen would be like the Catholic-Protestant split in the 1500s with Martin Luther. I have heard of this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Something about uh, leaving some angry notes on some doors in Germany, I believe, was the the coverage I remember from my ancient Idaho-based history course, public school. Yes, the 95
1: Theses.
2: Sure, um, I totally knew that name. Yep. <laughs> in
1: 1517, so we're actually just a bit out. Of, it's 500 plus years now, but in 2017 it was 500 years.
0: Um, okay. Did Claire go to a celebration in Germany about 500 years of after Martin Luther?
1: Yeah, the German government gave me some money to go talk about museum exhibitions.
0: Nice. They're more generous than the humanities. Shocking. Congress, if you want to take some notes on how to fund. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that the Germans who invented many of the fields that we are now in are more generous. My soul is so, dying. Um, but yeah.
1: I'd say that's the most famous or most well-known by the general public, but it's not the only and not the first.
0: Panya, yeah, you maybe I...
1: want to cover some of the earlier Catholic splits?
0: Yeah. yeah. So when Christianity started forming out of the ether in the early, parts of this millennia.
1: Wouldn't it be last millennia?
0: No, this millennia. But no. like wouldn't it be the 0 to 1000 as the first millennia and then Oh fuck me. <laughs> I meant yes, the last millennia. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Uh Sorry. what I was actually trying to say was pretty much the earliest parts of Christianity from the time that Jesus was out and about preaching and being like, I'm the Messiah. And like blah, all like there was like forty other dudes running around the Levant at the same time going, I'm the Messiah. He like wins the race, anyways. We can always talk more about that later, but I would like to just point out that there was like twenty to forty other dudes also running around the Levant at the time, being like, I'm the Messiah.
1: And should we maybe tell Jen what Levant means? Oh, you know, what to Levant do with is. Israel,
2: maybe? That whole area yes. of the world? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I hear there's some contention around that area of the world. Just a smidge. Just a tiny bit yeah see listeners i'm not a total idiot just mostly an idiot anyway please continue i'm taking notes diligently
0: looking forward to drawing this what i assume is a fucked up family tree yes so we have these like earliest beginnings of christianity and christianity if you want to think about it this way christianity actually is a sect of judaism Hmm. so you have judaism and then jesus comes along and he's like I'm Jewish because he thought he was Jewish. He wasn't like, I'm a Christian because that didn't exist. Because he was like, I'm a good Jew, but there's some problems, but I'm also the son of God, blah, 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 blah. Immaculate Conception, I'm going to die for your sins, whatever. Anyways, so after Jesus is crucified, he has all these followers and they go out. And they start spreading the word of Christianity and the word of Jesus. And almost all the followers, the different areas they go, when when Christianity is established, they're like their own little cultic centers. And they all kind of have their own practices kind of based around this foundational aspect of Christianity. But you have a flavor happening in and around Rome. You have a flavor happening in Alexandria, which is kind of the main area of ancient Egypt. You've got one in Antioch going on. You've got stuff happening in Jerusalem. You've got stuff happening in what will become Constantinople, which was originally a city called Byzantium. And so you have these different groups that are starting christianity and they're all kind of different flavors similarly around jesus but you know just different flavors and they actually start off in what we call in this time period as cults we call them cults Mm -hmm. and in the roman empire especially you have these christian cults but they weren't legal they weren't recognized as a legal religion in the roman empire Until Constantine, when he converts in, like, 1313, 1314, he makes Christianity a certified religion. And then he also kind of makes it the primary religion. But he doesn't make it the only religion. That doesn't happen until Theodosius a couple of decades later. Exactly. So Constantine converts, which, fun fact about Constantine, he did not actually get baptized until he was on his deathbed like he was like hedging his bets he was still like doing all like the pagan stuff that he's always done but at the same time he's just kind of he's just playing all but he's just playing all sides
2: you know this is very familiar to me conceptually because i cannot tell you about how many bloodthirsty warlords who like slaughtered oh oh so many people and at the very last minute were like Guess what? I'm a monk now. Buddhist monk, for clarity. Uh, I'm a monk, so uh, I'm going to try and get reborn with all this good karma I've built up all my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One theory why did Constantine, 313, 314, why did he pick Christianity? Is because it was becoming an extremely popular cult. And so. He's like, well, if I want to be the emperor of the Roman Empire, because before he was sharing power, so he was kind of like co-ruler, but for him to become the ruler, he's like, hey, Christians, I like what you're saying. And, you know, if you back me to be the emperor, I'll make you legit. Mm. And that's what happened. So christianity at the time was starting like before constantine was fairly well established by the 300s especially in rome they had started having much more of like an imperial structure and that's where we get a lot of bureaucracy from so in rome for example we have the pope Mm -hmm. who is also known as the bishop of rome and the roman empire goes around the mediterranean it controls egypt the levant greece this time but the thing is is that on top of that we have other flavors of the church at this time so like i said in different areas it has its own kind of flavor so while the church in rome becomes very dominant you still have patriarchs which are similar to the pope in constantinople in antioch
2: this, uh, the church in Rome right now, is that Roman Catholic yet, or is that still to come? When does Catholic, the word, start to... so the I've word kicked it into a hornet's nest. You're judging by the look on your face.
1: So, like, there's Catholic with a big C, which is Roman Catholics, and then there's Catholic with a little c, which just means universal. Or that's what all the Protestant churches told me when we, like, recite some creed that says something about the Catholic Church. Because they're not talking about... <laughs> Big C-Catholics. They're talking <laughs> about small C-Catholics.
0: At this time, they're all Christians, but there's no necessary, like... See, in Rome, the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, is like, I'm in charge in charge of everyone. All the Christians. Because he's like, I'm St. Peter's representative. I'm in charge in charge. The other patriarchs in other cities don't see it that way. Mm. The patriarch of Jerusalem does not see the Pope is like in charge in charge. He thinks that they think it's more um, on equal footing. And you'll have these early councils where they're trying to codify what is Christianity and what is the church.
1: Like there's seven of these councils um, mm-hmm. that are recognized by both Catholic and Orthodox that happen between the 300s and the late 700s and they're not just trying to clarify the power structure but also doctrine right because you have people sort of thinking through these christian writings christian teachings and not everyone's in agreement on some sort of small stuff but also like big picture stuff like the trinity and sort of the nature of jesus as god and man spirits etc there's a lot going on but there's some like people have opinions and the councils are in part convened to, like, hash out which are the right opinions and which are the wrong. Opinions. Okay. Yeah,
0: and, like, some are saying that, like, Jesus is not God. They take that Jesus is, like, the son of God. He was created by God, but he is not God in and of himself. And in Catholicism, he is. Okay. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little confused about like where we are at like timeline wise like so when we have these various illegal Jesus cults, are they already kind of divided into
0: orthodox versus yeah, like they are all... really. well, there's different flavors where you are. Arianism is out of the work of a third fourth century priest out of Alexandria named Arius, so Arianism. And so he's arguing that Jesus is the son of God, but he's and created by God, but Christ is not God. He's not divine. So I would say
1: like in this period, sort of this first couple centuries, it's not so much like, are you Catholic versus are you Orthodox? It's more like, do you follow the, like what doctrines do you hold to be valid versus not? Are you a Gnostic? Oh. Are you following Arius? And then also there's like the, who do you see as being in charge? Do you see, like, the patriarch versus the pope? Is that right, Tanya, do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, what ends up happening is different centers that have patriarchs, and then also you have the pope in Rome. What ends up happening is that each one of those centers kind of has its own flavor of an own certain kind of beliefs that will follow. So in Egypt, the patriarch, it that involves later into the what we now know as the Coptic Church. In Jerusalem, probably thanks to the Crusades and even in Antioch as well, they've become aligned with the Orthodox Church out of Constantinople.
1: And there's this word schism, right that's what their disagreements are generally called, right schism separations between. And there's multiple, or at least according to Wikipedia, there's multiple, <laughs> but there's multiple schisms between Rome and Constantinople, right? There, it's not just like everything's hunky dory, and then they get in a big fight one day and call it quits. We've got multiple fights going on before we get to what's called the Great Schism of
2: 1054.
0: So we got some minor yeah.
2: schisms before a great one.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like the founding of our own country. Is that like? You have the Constitution, and it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be this living document. There was all sorts of different meetings and fighting over language and what each of the different amendments was going to be, what was going to go into the Bill of Rights and that type of stuff. A very similar thing is happening this early on where they're all fighting over what is Christianity in a nutshell and it still happens today and like even as claris like another type of sect are the gnostics and gnostics another type of flavor they believe that humans themselves contain a piece of god inside of them so you have all these different little types of all these different little strands
2: is this uh, me making this flow chart for myself. This seems like an exercise in futility. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
1: this is just to give you background on the flow chart, right? they like, yeah, I okay. want a simplified flow chart of like Christianity. Like, right. We've got the Catholic and Orthodox split. Okay. And then from the Catholic side of the tree, we've got the Protestant Catholic split, but that's the simplified view. So all of this that we've been covering is just sort of to say that there's. A lot more complexity and infighting about who's right and who's wrong and who should we follow than the flowchart would maybe.
2: All right, pause for a joke here. Uh, so which one of these different <laughs> sects uh is led by a matriarch instead of a patriarch? You guys, I'm curious. Mm, the silence is deafening.
1: <laughs> I mean, technically, Elizabeth II's in charge of the Anglican Church right now, but like, oh,
0: okay, but that's just because <laughs> she's the head of state, like. Yeah, so we can get into that, Henry VIII, some other time.
1: (laughs) I would say for all the infighting and disagreements, uh, the old boys club
0: reigns supreme. Well, Um, I'm glad they
2: could agree on one thing.
0: And also, the thing is, too, is that it's out of these early church councils that we've talked about where we get what we know as the Bible now. And the other thing is, too, is that each flavor has different books that they consider to be part of the Bible and some that they do not. One mainstream kind of thing is that you have like the King James version of the Bible. Well, there are books in the Catholic Bible that are not in the King James version.
2: Funny, I was under the impression that the King James one was the the Catholic one. (laughs) i'm sure i was probably taught otherwise in high school at some point but uh, i purged that knowledge from my brain a long time ago probably yeah. a big deal isn't it
0: <laughs> technically yes okay
2: great 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 it's nice to be dismissive of major parts of european history the same way that like asian history gets glossed over so why don't you show us your flowchart right now Jen? right so let's let's get an me, idea for you, holding it up to the camera let's see if it oh i gotta turn off my blur it's, it's not so deaf. pale it's so pale. I mean, it, it is paper. Surprisingly, not, not like my flesh, though, this time.
0: I was about to <laughs> say that it's it's actually tailored than your face. Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah
2: I, I started with Christianity. That was my mistake. So I put, you know, Judaism over here, and it leads <laughs> to Christianity. And it's a cloud because it's more conceptual than anything really super-duper solid at this point. Then we have various illegal Jesus cults, primarily Rome. Rome's a big one, so it, it, yes. it gets named... And then this line right here represents all the stuff and councils that happened. And then we have Orthodox splitting off here, and then Catholic question mark maybe. And then we get Gnostics, and then whatever happens. I imagine Catholic kind of goes straight down for a while in most stuff. So I would
0: put so... Gnostics up much earlier. Oh, Gnostics okay. Gnostics goes with the councils.
2: Oh, okay. No, it's even oh. earlier than that. Um. You guys are really fucking with the chart right now. Uh. It's a, just for so all like put it? two,
0: I would put it in between Christianity and Judaism because they both are like Gnostic. They both have okay. Gnostic veins. How's that? Yes. Yeah, okay. that's good.
2: So that's my understanding of this This so far. <laughs> Surely it cannot get more complicated than this, right guys? <laughs> oh
0: boy. Um, I
1: hate to burst your bubble, Jen.
0: Oh, the bubble was not actually there. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say, though, in the early church, especially in Rome and whatnot, one reason why it became so popular, it was actually really popular among women. Hmm. Like women in the earliest versions of the church, because the churches, since they were illegal, they would be part of these house churches. And so, pretty much in these house churches, they would often be run and kind of concealed by women.
2: So, like, they would pretend that they're just having some gals over, just for a nice gals day, and they're like, "Right, hey, have you heard
0: about this Jesus guy? Yeah, it's like it's like a multi-level marketing uh, I was just thinking that. party where they're like Mary Kay oh, party, yeah. But the makeup is Jesus. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Cool. 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 So you know, women were there. Not super in charge.
0: Well, the yeah, planners I and mean,
2: organizers, the ones who are doing the groundwork. Uh, they, they did all the, the groundwork,
0: and then the dudes were like, "Ooh, we kind of like this," and then they're just like, mm. "Go away." Yeah, the wind was blowing in that direction. Yep.
2: <laughs> so we are at the Orthodox split, or the or- Catholic Orthodox split at this point. What happens from there? Great question. Um... <laughs> we didn't That's plan for this silence. far. <laughs>
1: I I think, so, since we want to focus on Protestants, I'm just going to save a brief tidbit so we're not, like, completely ignoring orthodoxy. So, like, under the orthodox side of things, like, their center of power stays in Constantinople until the Turks come and overthrow it, make it Istanbul, and, like, convert everyone to Islam, at which point the center of orthodox power moves north to Moscow and the Russians, Russian Orthodox. I don't really know how the Greek Orthodox feel about that.
0: They But even even now, like you do still have a center of the Greek Orthodox and like you still have a patriarch. And let's say the Russian now.
1: patriarchs think of themselves as taking over for the Constantinople Noble yeah. patriarchs and patriarchs in other locations may or may not agree with that. Exactly. But from the Protestant side of things, right? So Martin Luther is sort of famous in like 1517 and all that. But he's not the first reformer, we could say, Mm -mm. of, I have so many tabs open right now. All this to say is that, like, Luther is not unique in having his problems with the Catholic Church.
0: And, I mean, you could even say, you could even say that, like, the foundations of what we call the mendicant orders, the Franciscans, the Dominicans, these monastic orders... What makes them different from other monastic orders is that they were out among the people. So the Dominicans, all of the Dominican monks are also priests. And their whole thing was to go out into the population and correct people's worship. So, like, you go out in the boonies and you may have priests who are performing different rites that are way more pagan-friendly, than in some other areas. It's just what a party, okay? Yeah, there's just different things that they've incorporated, like local traditions, which Christianity is huge in doing. But by the time we're coming to the 12th and 13th centuries, we've got these orders popping up, and like the Dominicans are trying to go out and correct, so everyone is kind of doing the same thing, and doing it the proper way, air quotes, proper way. Then you have the Franciscans who also are part of this mendicant among the people preaching. And the really, the Dominicans and Franciscans are really into pe- preaching to the public and trying to get them to, you know, worship in the proper way. But Franciscans are really disgusted with, St. Francis in particular is very disgusted by the extreme wealth of the Catholic Church. So, his whole thing is that Franciscans have to take a vow of poverty. They can't own property, which becomes a problem later. And there's different aspects like that where these are in and of themselves like reforms. And then even before that, we get reforms in the church itself. Like we have the Gregorian reform in the um 11th century, right, Claire? Yeah. But and,
1: just to sort of yeah. interject as a clarifying moment, right? Like yeah. the major monastic orders, so the Benedictines, the Franciscans, the Dominicans, like once we get like later on, like the Jesuits, the newer orders and stuff,
0: but those are all still within the Catholic bubble, right? Yeah. And even like um, the reform, like there were different reform movements, like Gregorian forms, it's still all part of the same church. They haven't like split. I guess the point I'm just trying to make is that people have noticed problems and some people were trying to fix those problems or to clarify how certain things were done and how worship was done. But you don't get a full split off very often,
2: right? Did all like these different monk orders, when they were going out to teach people how to do Jesus right, did they all agree with one another what the proper way for Jesusing was? or um were there disagreements among the monk orders too
0: there were disagreements yes okay but but the difference is is that the dominicans and the franciscan's and these like monastic orders still were under the rulership of the pope so even though there was disagreements on how certain things should be done in the end they were all They were approved in what they did. Though, before we get to the Reformation, Claire and Martin Luther and even the check-in, I would like, unless you have a thing on it, Claire, then I won't say anything, but there is a great Christian sect that arose in the 12th and 13th century and flourished, known as the Cathars.
1: Ooh, I had forgotten to include them. This is a detour worth taking. Now are
2: they an off branch of Catholicism? I would say that they do indeed
0: classify as a sect. Okay. Ding ding ding, ding.
2: They oh, okay. are uh,
1: not liked sect.
0: Yes, the Catholic. the popularity
1: contest.
2: Oh, I anyway, knew a Star and Wars character that was of the race of the Cathar. They're cat people. <laughs> anyway,
0: Sadly, this is very not relevant. As cool as that. <laughs> well. I uh, I will say that um, it it comes from and the, our advisor would be so happy about this. It comes from the Greek katharos, meaning pure. So they're saying that they're the pure ones, and the cathars were fucking awesome, fucking fucking awesome they pretty much had their own organized church they had their own internal hierarchy they had their own liturgy and system of doctrine but the main thing about cathars is that they professed and they believed in this dualism and that one that there are two principles there's the good and the evil and that the material world that we currently live in is evil. So pretty much men, so or humans in general were aliens, like 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 they were like we're not supposed to be here is the type of thing that they were saying. Is we don't belong here cuz this is an evil world. This is an evil place and we don't actually belong here. The way to do that is you have to free your spirit from this material meat suit that you are living in and because your spirit inside is good but it is in this body and in this world that is bad and so the so what you have to do was you were you need to free your spirit and restore it with god bring your spirit this isn't code for like a suicide cult is it because it sounds all very like you're trying to unzip that meat suit uh Um, you're not that wrong but they 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 wouldn't they i mean it does sound like they would just be like really into mass suicide but they're not they're not but that what they were into was no sex s-e-x which for women in this period would have been fucking great because you could have actually like lived longer um they were also really into fasting and they were vegetarians they did not eat meat and they really just like were like renouncing the world at large um and it also made the church be very much of uh pretty much this kind of model at the same time it really made you look inward and anyways they they also um rewrote the bible and the whole thing was is that they believe that jesus was merely an angel and his human suffering and death were an illusion illusion and the thing that really brought them down is they were very critical of the Catholic Church because they were all into the material. I was also say they also believed that like you had to have a neck a second
1: baptism, right? This um, consolamentum yeah ritual. Otherwise you just keep being reincarnated. Um, yeah.
0: So and that's the thing is too is they they believed that like you had to follow their doctrine. So you're not reincarnated. So you don't come back to this evil world so that you could actually be reunited with God forever. But at the same time, you can think about the consequences of that, right? If you're not procreating and you're rejecting the material, your population is going to go down. Mm -hmm. Your resources are going to go down. You're not so gonna it's like have
2: reverse Mormonism, is what I'm getting here. Sort yeah, of a... you're not gonna sort of
0: like the Shakers. Um, if you're yeah. familiar with
1: not just their furniture but the actual religious group. Um, I only
2: know the furniture.
1: <laughs> they made the furniture. That's how the furniture okay. got its okay. name. But they also are now there's only two, or maybe three left but like they were immensely popular in the 1800s
0: but in general it's not good if you're uh if you're a power at this time because you need people to grow your crops for you mm-hmm. you need people to make your cloth and your luxury goods you need people to have children to train them to do the same thing like if this were to take off in a mass way, you could have complete societal collapse. Mm-hmm. So there's that. However, my thing is, like, the Cathars really weren't bothering anybody. They were just doing their thing in the mountains in France and the Pyrenees. Anyways, what uh, ends up happening is that the Pope calls for a crusade on them. And this is, a, this is a lesser known crusade that's happening around the same time as we have the crusade in the Holy Land and whatnot in um, uh, it's called the Albigensian crusade and they fucking went into the pyrenees and they just annihilated them it got ah, bloody
2: pretty uh, he- much like warring states period japan where a lot of monks uh either obliterated each other or got obliterated by various warlords
0: Cool, 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 cool. And by and by the early 1400s, they didn't exist anymore. They completely eradicated them from the face of the earth. Men, women, children. And it wasn't something like, oh, you can. If they found out you were a Cathar and you believed in those tenets, it wasn't like, oh, like convert back to Catholicism. It was like, no, you're dead. They just cool. wiped them, wiped them out.
2: Well, you hear that, listener? There's great opportunity and opening here for someone to really start a new trend and bring these Cathars back. Everything retro is new again. Very hot, (laughs) like all the 90s stuff. So, you know, if you want to go back to what what, what century would this have been? I
1: think 1200s to 1350s. Yeah.
2: All right. Bring back the the 1290s, guys. (laughs) Make it hot again.
0: Uh, I would say 1230s thing.
2: I have very extensive notes for this section I'm very I'm, <laughs> feel like I have a you know good handle they're concise they're
0: paraphrased in a very gen way. Uh, I'll know what they mean no one well, else will <laughs> and also the thing is too is that there is like a part of this whole of like the Catholic doctrine is that is that there were some people in Catharism who were known as the perfect. So I bet that also oh. wrangled the the yeah, the, uh, yeah. the church.
2: I mean, you know, I like these and Cathars so far. They seem pretty red, but you know, you know, calling yourself perfect—that's a let's, let's tone it down a bit, maybe. And isn't
1: this also the time period of the Catholic Schism, where we have multiple popes going on?
0: Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so,
1: so so this is also a period where, like, we have multiple people claiming to be pope. So there is an. Very originally named anti-pope. Yeah. Okay, indeed. I'm going
2: to make a, a little divot in the Catholic section right now. I'm going to go pope and anti-pope.
0: Yeah, it actually, it all ended up in like 1309, which is like 1340 centuries, my period. And we have the papacy moving from Rome because pretty much what ends up happening is that the families in Rome are like really, really powerful in Rome itself. And they're trying to be in charge, which they do through ways um, of uh, <coughs> murder, <coughs> murder, <coughs> and and whatnot. Uh, so
2: the Pope side of Catholicism moves out of Rome? Or is it the anti-Pope side? It's the Pope.
1: Okay. The person who thinks they're the right Pope calls the other Pope the
0: anti-Pope. and Yep. Oh, okay. yep. The thing is, too, is that It seems we may not actually have many anti-popes in the 1200s, but in the 1100s leading up to it, we have a lot. And at one point, we even have three popes. Yes, we have three popes at one point, which is... Three popes, one papacy. Which is in... Oh god, there's so many fucking... That's in the 1410s. Well... It ends in
1: 1410, maybe. Uh, So many popes. The Council like, of Constance is 1414 and that's when they try to ah, fix all of this. Yeah.
2: Not gonna lie, I have not written down any years because this is uh, hard enough Just writing Just to say,
1: lines. like, again, to simplify, things on the Catholic side are messy before mm-hmm. we get to the Protestant split.
2: Is there any sort of continuance of these anti- No.
0: Okay, no. cool. I'm gonna put a big X at the end of that part of this Catholic Yeah, country. and honestly we have anti-popes from the third century all the way up through the fifteenth, it's a and... favorite
1: insult. Martin Luther okay. liked to call the Pope an anti. Well, that's an anti Christ, not an anti Pope. Just kidding.
2: <laughs> Don't know where I, but, oh, I thought I was going. I was prepared to one hundred percent believe you.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> no, it's plausible. Yeah, there's so many. So so many the Pope people. moves out, comes back. Yeah, in the eleven assume... hundreds, at one point we have we have like three too anyways sorry yes so we have the pope and then we also have other people who claim to be pope but they're not actually pope but where we
1: have the big break in terms of like new sects, and unlike with the cathars where the catholics just sort of shut that down we have sort of a flourishing of many different kinds of christianities in the same geographic area right because the orthodox are doing their own thing over in the east of the mediterranean so they're not really interfering a lot with what's going on in Europe, but with the Protestants, Europe just is in a bit of a clusterfuck
2: for a couple. Oh, lousy with Protestants. So I'm taking this is the part where Martin Luther uh, gets in on the making a church action and.
0: Well, do you first want to talk about the Czechs? Okay, people? so we have
1: um for the Czechs we have Jan Hus, H U S, born in 1370. Um, he's burned at the stake in 1415.
2: But he's
0: is what, we could this s- what you often do to heretics. You just yeah, burn them. Yeah, it seems
2: like it's quite popular. You, you make them in the burn um, book and then you burn them in real life. <laughs> but he was a
1: priest, a Catholic priest, whose ideas are termed what we call Hussiteism. Right?
2: I'm going to call him a hussy.
1: But we have uh, the, the so-called Bohemian Reformation, right, from Bohemia and Moravia, a.k.a. Czech. Czechia, Czech Republic. My people. Yeah, Tanya's people. We hate the man. <laughs> so um, notably, when he was burned at the stake, he predicted that God would raise up others who would like be successful in this quest for reform of the Catholic Church. And this is taken to be a prophecy about Martin Luther because Luther was born 68 years after Huss's death.
0: I'm just gonna say that like that wasn't that big of a leap. Also, also 68 years. It's not like he was born the same day that he died, like my soul will pass on or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the ultra
2: long game. I mean
0: a... <laughs> I mean I mean we could all make a a prophecy that in general about things that are happening in the world or to ourselves and they probably come true.
2: My prophecy is that in 100 years all of us are going to be dead.
1: But Luther Martin Luther really goes like where no one has gone before he was a monk but then he leaves and like he marries a former nun scandal he's pretty radical and That's you can't very rarely still have married catholic priests oftentimes they're married anglican or episcopal priests who like convert decide that they were wrong and that catholicism is the way to go so the catholic church like lets them stay married since they were already married but that's pretty few and far between. I'd like to Very announce I'm going
2: to a new page. We're starting with the Catholic over here and <laughs> Protestant over here and hoping we're just going to work our way down. Yeah.
1: Luther has a couple of beefs with the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So he's annoyed about indulgences,
0: which... You want me to explain indulgences? It, you
2: Oh, yeah. I remember indulgences from uh, the, the dust is coming off the memories of high school uh, history so, class.
0: So. I will say that I have actually purchased, we, we call it purchasing a mass, but I have purchased a mass, aka an indulgence, for my grandfather and my great aunt after their passing at the Vatican. So I'm hoping it counts more. We're all hedging our bets here. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so I have intimate knowledge about these indulgences because I have actually paid the church money for them. But did you get a, a fancy rece- piece of paper? I got a receipt. I
2: this gave is it to my a grandmother. receipt or is it a fancy receipt?
0: It's a <laughs> fancy papal receipt. Cool. But but I wrote down they have their own little uh you know, if you go to like a small mom and pop shop and they've got the, like the, the, the with the carbon copies.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, the carbon
0: copy credit card reader. Yeah. Or like the, or like the little receipt book where it has the carbon copy and they, they keep, you get the top one and they keep the carbon copy. Well, I believe in the Vatican it was reversed. They kept the original. And I got the carbon copy, but I gave it to my grandmother, and I think she gave it to my cousin, and I don't know, and I don't know where it is. It may have gotten destroyed in Harvey or something. I don't know. Catholics, the Catholic Church keeps really good records. I'm sure if someone really wanted to get in there, they could find it. But maybe in um, 500 years, someone will use it in a dissertation. Maybe, maybe. But what was cool about that whole experience? is when I went to the Vatican I got let into a side room that other people couldn't go to they let me through the rope and I got into to go into a part of the Vatican that's not actually open I told I told the man what I wanted and he was oh yes come with me And all these people were like, because it's also a place you can get your holy water. They're all like, give me my holy water. And they've got like random like jugs and vessels and things to get holy water from the Vatican. And they're like, oh, yes, come. Did you have to palm him
2: some money? uh, Like, you know, in a secret handshake? And then. No, I,
0: I was just like, how much is it? And they told me and I gave them the euros and I wrote down, made sure I spelled everyone's name correctly and date. And they gave me my receipt and ciao (laughs) well I think he did let me out of the velvet rope but yes
2: so like these jugs of holy water are they just like straight up plastic jugs or well these
0: people were bringing all sorts of stuff with them like some of them had like really pretty holy water containers that they bought at like a souvenir shop some people like literally like I literally saw a guy come in with an empty like like water jug that you could buy at the grocery store like a gallon water jug and they just like take it Fill it bring it to you. It doesn't cost you anything if you want holy water. they just do it. Oh,
2: I mean it just seems really unceremonious to take like the holy water and stick it in like an old milk
0: jug. I I mean some people go there they really want their holy water in bulk because they take mm. it they take it back to whatever. I mean, honestly, I feel like it'd be pretty good if you got to exercise some demons out of your home, if you've got, like, a whole jug of holy water from Well,
1: can't you just, like, Vatican. perpetually dilute the holy water? Like, it just has to be 50% or more holy water, so you just keep, like, a yes. oh, formula. But then, like, once you add new water, it's all holy water, so then, like, you can keep...
0: Yes,
1: kind of. Anyways, just to say, so Martin Luther had a problem with indulgences.
0: And he also had but, a But But I didn't, but I, I, I also, sorry, I, I didn't get to say what indulgences do. Uh, They pretty much, so in Catholicism, so <laughs> in Catholicism, so you have heaven. It's like Dante. You think about Dante's divine comedy. So you have heaven and then you have purgatory and then you have hell. And so if you're not bad enough to go into hell, but you're not good enough to go into heaven, you go into purgatory where you, I don't know how they explain it otherwise but I was always under the impression that it was this dark quiet place where you just went and you pray incessantly until you have worked off your sins and then you're led into heaven and pretty much unless you're like a saint or a baby or something like that who dies really young or whatever or Like, everyone goes to purgatory, except if you're really bad, and then you go to hell. But anyways, indulgences, they're prayers for your loved one to get time off in purgatory. And so a lot of people during this time, they would be able to buy, like, years off in purgatory. I don't know how much time I got my grandpa out of purgatory with my my mass. But at this time, they are assigning, like, time periods
2: interesting i was under the impression that it would be something like less of a time period and more sort of like a, a merit-based get out of purgatory system where it sort of depends on your own personal self-cultivation and everything you in a way bootstrap yourself out of purgatory but if it's just for a set time period does that mean like you could just fuck so for a while and then not do the prayer work in
0: purgatory and just kind of wait it out if you got wealthy relatives yeah because oh. the super wealthy would sponsor chapels and they would put in endowments Where like the Franciscans or the Dominicans, like a lot of the side chapels in churches where they would literally say a mass for you every day. Can't forget you that way. Can't forget you and they're going to get you out of purgatory real quick.
2: All right. We all spend our money in different ways. You know, what seems like a good use of your money, I guess, is all in the eye of the person holding the wallet.
1: So Luther was pretty annoyed at this sort of like buy your way out of purgatory thing that was one of his major beefs with the church and he also got a couple other major things like he was really on this whole like it's about faith not works so like donating money to the poor or going on pilgrimage or etc and then i'd say his other major thing had to do with the sacraments right so the catholic church has a bunch of sacraments and the protestants tend to only have
2: two what is a sacrament um, asking for a friend <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let's say like a sacrament is like a holy rite or ritual
0: like baptism okay Catholics have are there seven yeah I think there's seven there's baptism confirmation the Eucharist penance which we also call uh, is it the same thing as confession Yes, which I can tell you all about that trip. Anyways, anointing of the sick, marriage, and holy orders. When they're divided into three categories, which are the sacraments of initiation, the sacraments of healing, and sacraments of service.
1: And you don't have to do all of them, right? So like some of them are Mm -hmm. mutually exclusive, right? Like if you're going to do holy orders, you're not necessarily going to get married. Although you could get married first and then be widowed and then take
0: holy orders as a nun. And not everyone's going to anoint the sick, but typically if you're like run of the mill, you're going to have baptism, penance slash confession, Eucharist, confirmation. Those are definitely the four you're going to hit. And Luther had a lot of problems with
1: the Eucharist or communion as a sacrament. So the Catholic teaching is that the miracle of transubstantiation occurs um, at the Mass, when the priest is a... the host mm, sorry in which the miracle is is that the bread and wine literally transforms into the body and blood of
0: christ aka cannibalism um, yeah
2: yeah crunchy jesus um, i've had
0: so much jesus since i've eaten so much jesus in my life yeah i can see in where luther-, uh, luther was like oh crap <laughs> I am a cannibalistic vampire.
2: <laughs> I imagine like Jesus uh, and all the guys that we talked about in the last episode, they speak in the high-pitched Tanya voice. And Luther's <laughs> is more of like a valley girl being like, oh, it's blood. Ugh, I prefer Merlot. <laughs>
1: but like not everyone could have the blood. Um, that is the true. The was restricted. Um, mm. So women couldn't have it. Nuns couldn't have it. They could have the bread, but not the wine
2: why i don't know I mean, it didn't why. always
1: it didn't start out as being restricted it's just sort of one of those things that like
0: by luther's time it was huh. yeah also um, i want to say too is that in the early church whenever they would do mass they would um face the congregation so you could they? see what was going on the the priests oh okay they would face the congregation But pretty much in the later medieval, like mid to late medieval period, it changes and they make it more secretive in a way. And so what they'll do is you'll have all these screens that are built. And on top of that, the the priest faces away from the lady, away from the audience. So it makes it all much more like mystical and secretive of what's going on. Aren't into the magic show, and I'm just really disappointed. Okay,
2: I don't think but Luther
0: and I would have gotten along on many levels. I mean, he just wants everyone to have wine and crackers <laughs> or bread, I guess. He wasn't into being a flashy dresser, and as you know, that's all I'm into is like mm. medieval and early like medieval clothing, mm. being flashy.
1: Okay. So, Luther. His followers are the Lutherans. And this <laughs> is when you sort of start to get the ever branching tree of different Protestants. So we've got uh, the Anglicans after Henry VIII disagrees with the Pope about whether he can divorce Catherine of Aragon. Or is it divorce or a null? The Church of England or Anglicanism comes about through Henry VIII's disagreement with the Pope, not for any sort of, say, important theological reasons like Luther and others are working out, but more about his marriages and his ability to have a male heir, which isn't to say that these other, perhaps we might say, more theological reasons aren't circulating in
0: He wanted an annulment. His argument was from somewhere in the Bible that if a man marries his brother's wife, the couple will be childless. Because Catherine had been married to his older, better brother, Arthur, who unfortunately died. And while they were not childless, he did not have a a son.
2: From uh, what I remember, several of the wives kind of got relieved from their heads. So, you know, between divorce or getting axed, uh, I would... uh... (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh no, the 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 annulment divorce thing happened first. He he removed oh. their heads later.
2: Oh, okay. So he's back to being a dick.
0: At around the same time, this is all
1: going on throughout the 1500s into the 1600s. Um, but we also have John Calvin, who is the founder of the Presbyterians, which is uh, the name the label Presbyterian comes from the form of church government they use the presbytery. And that's about all I could say on that, even though I was raised Presbyterian. But their founder is John Calvin, the namesake of Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. Hobbes being the other centuries later philosopher that Bill Watterson liked.
2: Where did the Calvinists come in? I remember that from a history book somewhere.
1: Doctrinally, they're like big on this whole predestination thing. And aren't they popular in France? In France, they're called the Huguenots,
0: right? Isn't that, aren't they Presbyterian? That sounds familiar. I know that they were really into destroying statues. Okay, the
1: Huguenots um were French Protestants who followed John Calvin's teaching.
0: And that's and, how we get the the that one war.
1: Yeah, they're involved in the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre in 1572.
0: You can um, you can see that my knowledge is starting to slip. Um, <laughs> I'm like I think this happened. Anyway, in France the Huguenots slash Calvinists fight
1: a lot with the Catholics, and we get a lot of wars. The so-called French Wars of Religion. Yeah, those. But basically, once you get Luther and Henry VIII and Calvin, like, the floodgates open. And now you get sort of a dime a dozen different kinds of Protestants. Mm. So there's the Puritans. At some point, there's Lollards, which I don't really know who they are or what they do, but they have a funny-sounding name. Um <clears throat>
0: <laughs> marjorie kemp was accused of being a lollard well uh, she definitely liked her she definitely de- yeah she was not that was not true although according to the flowchart i'm looking at right now the, the,
1: the lollards were prior to luther there's but some of the like later denominations or groups we get include the methodists the baptists damn baptists Baptist. really.
0: My um my grandfather really didn't like the Baptists, and he always had a joke about how um how you could tell if someone was a Baptist was if they had a lot of bruises on their knees and arms from rolling around on the floor,
2: like sexually.
0: No. Sorry, I needed to go. There's like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's like uh, i guess this is like more like a southern like i think there's some you know how some pentecostals southern...
1: are sort of famed for like
0: speaking in tongues the holy spirit and dancing I'm putting and... their
2: hands in the air like waving them like they just don't care except for god
0: yeah yeah and, like pentecostals okay. are not really like, speaking in tongues okay. like some baptists some southern baptists are kind of like that where they'll like roll around on the floor so my my grandfather used to make jokes about baptists and rolling on the floor and That's what happens when you're a religious minority in the South. You make jokes about everyone else. Well, at least it's just a little bit of a derogatory joke and not a sexual derogatory joke, too. (laughs) No, but whenever I was in private Catholic school, I went to Catholic summer camp for two years in a row. My grandfather let me know each time that I left for summer camp that the camp used to be a nudist colony. And to watch out for any um, naked people I saw in the woods. I miss my grandfather. He was such a funny man <laughs> funny short check man so to jump back to the flow chart
1: um there's some <laughs> other baptists presbyterians methodists Pentecostals, etc some disagreements but i'd say like they all believe in like the same big doctrinal things like they disagree about baptism and other stuff but like they're all in fairly big agreement on like jesus and the Trinity and salvation.
2: They're really filling up my paper here with all their different names and probably very minor disagreements. So the flowchart I'm looking at says
1: if you answer yes to do you rest on Saturday as opposed to Sunday, then you're a Seventh-day Adventist. All right. If you...
0: Like Lane Kim from Gilmore Girls.
1: Yeah, Lane Lane Kim and Gilmore Girls. The Kims are Seventh-day Adventist. If you don't believe in the Trinity, then... You're a Jehovah's Witness. I'm sure this is a gross oversimplification. And then you do agree about the Trinity, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Is the Latter Day Saints or Mormons? They have a whole nother book, like sacred book, the Book of Mormon, and Joseph Smith and a Brigham Young,
2: all the good old boys of the name. Well, like he supposedly had a vision and found
0: golden tablets and read them out of a hat. South Park covers it pretty well. Uh. (laughs) okay so there's also the uh the whole you know like let's you know underage marriage that now the mainstream mormons are like nah i mean you still have the
2: flds They, they they're still down with
0: that on the down low i would say they're on the down low they're like yeah we totally do this but it's can be difficult to prove because in all likelihood, the U.S. would have to violate so many people's civil rights to, like, actually do a lot of shit about that. But, you know. Though I do feel like we're kind of, like, delving into, like, what our modern understanding of cults are with Mormons. And, what are they called?
2: Seventh-day Adventists? No, Jehovah's the Witnesses? other one.
0: Jehovah Witnesses. And, yeah. The I don't know. guys out
2: the Bibles on my campuses uh, in college, the Gideons? Where oh. do they fit in? Are, we, are they are a Catholic one? Or are they a Protestant one? Or some other place in the uh, low chart? Um, so they're an
1: evangelical Christian association for men. Oh, they were founded in Jamesville, Wisconsin. How huh. weird. So they're, I'd say, largely Protestant. So not Catholic, but not exclusively, say, Baptist or something. So like,
0: what would you um, say the evangelicals are, Claire? Wow. Oh. From your personal I feel like I should know this,
1: but what does Wikipedia
0: define it? I will say that when I was in my undergrad, there would be, in Texas especially, they'd have like little like microphones, which you don't really get up here very much in the North, at least not here. I'm like, dude, what do you fucking do for like a job? You're just like going to walk around this college campus and like yell into your little speaker like you're going to actually like convert people.
1: So the evangelicals generally are big on the born again, personal conversion moment. uh... They are really big on the authority of the Bible and where the term evangelical comes from. They're big on like spreading the Christian message, right? Evangelizing, which comes from the Greek euangelion or good news. So like they're big on this sort of like conversion.
2: Yeah, I always remembered the evangelicals generally as uh, the people who Sorry if you're listening for some reason, evangelicals, but the ones who won't shut up about it, you could be like, "Oh God, I'm having a really bad day today. Not as bad as it will be if you go to
0: hell." Uh, that's my
2: my paraphrasing of uh, a lot of my
0: experience. Um, I will I will say that um (laughs) for our listeners, we will be having a special guest who will come talk to us about a whole section of evangelizing for our Halloween episode. So, yes. So that'll be something to look forward to. But thinking back to our last episode on Genesis, where it says, like, go forth and multiply. They take that both as, like, multiply the children you can have, but also multiply, like, people you can convert. I feel like evangelicals really take the Old Testament, like, really, much so, more literally than the Catholics do. The Catholics are like, eh, they got the new dude. Like, this so old stuff this- is fine, but...
1: But to go back to Jen's question about the Gideons, right? Uh So the Gideons handing out the little Bibles or the Psalms or whatever, like that would be as part of fulfilling their evangelical, evangelizing mission.
2: And the Quiverful, I imagine, is a major movement. I only remember them from the bajillion kids and counting TV show on Tuesday. No,
1: that's a pretty like fundamentalist, like weird, or not. Evangelical. I mean, yes, weird. I'd say that's a pretty fundamentalist subset of Baptists. That's pretty small, all things considered. That's definitely not a mainstream evangelical.
0: I would also, there's a podcast called The Sojo Files. And like the whole first season is about how Josh Duggar's a piece of shit and his like pornography charges, which are horrific and triggering. But she does do these interview series with people who used to be in that church with them. So if you're interested in kind of learning some more about like what even that, shit is you can find out that way
1: i would compare the Quiverfuls to being sort of like the flds of the mormons like
2: and then uh, a follow-up question to this whole list of uh, protestants is there a difference between fundamentalist and evangelical or are those just terms that are kind of used interchangeably or how does that work not meaning to give a hard question if it was just thought that
0: maybe uh i don't know i'm not the person to answer this okay
2: i'd say
1: fundamentalists take a more hard line view
0: well also like you have like the literalists like are they fundamentalists like you could say like there's plenty of people who would classify
1: themselves as evangelical but they drink they dance they wear pants they use birth control they vote democrat maybe they vote democrat i don't know
0: yeah well according I, so to like, wikipedia that, like, christian fundamentalism is a religious movement that emphasizes biblical literalism
1: i'd say like there's fundamental, i think i feel like you could apply fundamentalist as an adjective to like almost any religious sect in and outside of christianity if anyone is involved in or like reads the fundy snark a subreddit which is highly entertaining but like <laughs> but there are catholics on there who are like there's like a subset of like they call them the trad cat the traditional catholics who i think disagree with um pope francis or like maybe they don't think benedict yeah resigned so
0: okay 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 i can't <laughs> speak on this so typically those kind of like fundamentalist catholics or traditional catholics anything after vatican ii they think is bullshit so Vatican two. Oh, II so was they still want home. the mass
1: said in Latin.
0: Yeah, and they if you go to one of these like traditionalist Catholic churches, they, they say the Mass in Latin. Yes, it, is Vatican II one of those councils we talked about? So pretty much Vatican II happened in the fifties and it was this huge council. The nineteen fifties. Nineteen fifties. Yeah. Okay. Poodle skirt. Yeah. And pretty much what, what Vatican II did is that it made things more chill and it was pretty much a series of church reforms to make it more accessible to like the people out in the world. So it used before Vatican II, the mass was only said in Latin or mostly in Latin. After Vatican II, the mass is said in whatever language that is spoken in that area. So like where I'm from, you'll often get masses spoken in English and in Spanish because those are the that's the lingua franca of the area. And if you go to Germany, the mass will be in German. Um, But if you go to high masses, like in Rome still, you can still get masses in Latin. But if you find a church doing Latin masses here, contemporary in the U.S., they're very much likely like traditionalists. And there's actually um, another podcast by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. In the early 2000s, a priest was murdered in Dane, Wisconsin, which is not far from where we are now. And he was murdered, and, like, one whole thing was is he's, like, really into, like, the traditionalist. He said masses in Latin and all sorts of stuff. So there's that. If you're interested in learning more, I highly recommend listening to that. Another really interesting podcast that you could listen to that kind of talks about this whole traditionalist Catholic thing is the first season of Smokescreen, Fake Priest. This guy was not a real priest. He was a fake priest. But he was being a fake priest in this like traditional thing, and what's really fucking hilarious is that he would uh, say these masses in Latin, but since no one spoke Latin, supposedly he was just saying gibberish in Latin, which Claire and I both could do.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. technically anyone could
0: that lorem ipsum text that like shows up on like yeah. that's all gibberish Latin. He would do that. He was a con artist. So also recommend that uh, podcast if you want to learn about. It. But pretty much after Vatican II, nuns don't have to wear habits all the time they can dress like some of my great aunts kind of look like what some of the nuns dress like it's good for certain ways because like as far as like the nuns go or even monks and stuff is like you can be more a part of the community and you can actually do like outreach without having that barrier of the habit Or you could, you know, work at a food pantry or something, connect to people that way. So those are some of the types of reforms that happened in Vatican II in the 1950s. And it was, I will say, based on what I've spoken to my grandmother and other people in my family, like, it was huge. It was huge. And just like any major changes that happen in people's lives, you're always going to have a subset who are not for it. And the previous council to Vatican I was the Council of Trent in the late 1500s. So it'd been a really long time since they had a huge council.
1: And the Council of Trent is also closely associated with what's called the Counter-Reformation. Yeah. Where the Catholic Church sort of responds to the Protestant critiques of Catholicism, but does it in a, we're still right about
0: things. Way. Way. (laughs) Unfortunately, what happens and like how it affects my life when it comes to the council of Trent, they go into the catholic churches into these gorgeous medieval churches with their choir screens and beautiful different types of artwork and painted interiors and dismantle choir screens and do all sorts of bullshit that i am very angry about now as a scholar
1: but before that the protestants burned a lot of statues and
0: they did that too but not in my area Oh, okay. Not in my research area. No process for burning anything and knocking down sculptures in uh, Italy. I <laughs> was yeah, not that gonna was mostly happen. Mostly up
1: in Germany and France and the Netherlands. Netherlands, the yeah, countries.
2: Christians? Christians loving those burning crosses.
1: What? Wait,
2: didn't what? you say that they like to burn crosses or they're burning things up? Oh, oh,
1: no, oh. no, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, okay, not like the. KKK, burning of crosses. Um, (laughs) Okay. So as part of the Protestants, like the things they disagreed with the Catholics about, um, they were concerned a lot with how devotion to the saints and just sort of general Catholic practices of worship that involved a lot of images, whether that be paintings, um, altarpieces, or sculpted images, they thought that was a a sort of a form of idolatry. Okay. Um, so part of the Protestant reforms were sort of ridding the Catholic churches and turning and turning a Catholic Church into a Protestant church. they would get rid of a lot of the art so sculptures of say St James or St Matthew and they would burn it, the statues and they'd um, also just
0: like beat them up. they're like just like toss them from off of the facades of churches and
1: in France during the French Revolution, um the French kings had, paid for a lot of the religious sculpture on France's churches so the French not royalty as a way of getting back at the French kings for this would like behead a lot of the sculptures I don't know a lot about French
0: and it actually well well, (laughs) there's actually like a lot of um there were some depictions of like kings and on the facades of like Notre Dame and they would like they literally French revolutionaries literally like scaled the facade of Notre Dame and like remove the heads off of these sculptures
1: they painted a lot of the church interiors white so sort of yeah. that sort of stark white european cathedral look is not how they actually looked in the middle ages that's sort of a mm. more puritanical and it's uh, and honestly it's
0: again. kind of, it's where you get where we get one of the terms like whitewashing they literally whitewash these churches so they would be okay. stark white inside
2: mm. i hate it so my last question is uh around town here we got a lot of the the unitarian churches who seem to be like i don't know i don't know how new they are but they seem like the cool fun guy who like wants to be open to everyone so you know they got like the rainbow flags and everything all over the the front of the churches and stuff and they're like everyone's welcome here we're the party church is it in fact the party church (laughs)
1: I think what you're referring to is Unitarian Universalism, which apparently is separate from just Unitarianism. Yes. Um,
0: oh. and they start up in like 1961. They also moved in the 19th century away from believing that the Bible is the source of religious truth. Like maybe the Bible might just be a, a metaphor.
2: Seems reasonable.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. The 1961 founding was from the merging of the Universalists and the Unitarians, merge in the 1960s to be the Unitarian Universalists who um, you're familiar with today.
0: They were also like really big in the 19th century. And they actually, so up here, it was really popular. And that's why we have, and around Chicago, and even here where we have churches that were actually designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, because he subscribed to that. So are they as
2: chill as they seem, or they pretend to be chill, but secretly, they're not so chill?
1: No, I would say they're as chill as they seem. I don't know where they would necessarily fall in the flow chart. I don't know how they necessarily fall under the Christian umbrella.
0: So as they like to say, pretty much they don't think that there's one superior path, but there's many possibilities to pretty much. They they think that like what you do in your life matters more than like the scripture and like the word. So it's about more the quality of our lives than the correctness of beliefs.
1: Doctrinally, they're pretty separated, separated out from like other Christian like yes. the baptists and the methodists and the even catholics are like orthodox christians like
0: yeah so they're trying to follow in the spirit of jesus but like the path of like charity yeah they and also the thing is too is they they call their their places meeting houses not like churches
2: oh, i did not know that Come yeah with a lot of other things
0: so, are they the ones who brought the
2: whole Jesus was a hippie, peace loving hippie vibes to the Christianity scene, or like? I don't think
0: so. I think that's like an offshoot of the nineteen sixties Jesus cults. Okay. And I think that's where that comes from.
1: Okay. Yeah, I like... don't think that's unique to any one like particular denomination. I feel like that's more an influence of like nineteen sixties counterculture onto like Christianity
0: overall. Some of that totally manifest itself when I was an undergrad because like we called them the Jesus dudes and they would walk around without shoes. Have oh. we talked about this?
2: Yeah, I think I, I, re- I remember this and I probably made that exact same face that I, I just
0: made. No, it's fucking insane. Like it was such a problem that they put <laughs> up signs all around campus that said, if you are not wearing shoes, you cannot come into this building.
2: I have to say. You were right. The The Catholic side of my, my <laughs> own little notes is much more sparse than the grand list of all
0: different flavors well, of Protestantism. And, and the thing is, too, is we really didn't even cover some um, other churches, like the Coptic Church, like we barely, like, kind of mentioned it a little bit. Or a cameo. But, but there's also one one other church that I would like to mention, in this whole, like, sex, S-E-C-T-S, not sex we also have the ethiopian church which is one of the oldest christian churches in the world
1: okay they claim to have the ark of the covenant yeah
0: they I would you, can't it. It no? you can't look at it because you can't look at it indiana jones on you
1: exactly blind. your
2: face will melt off um i'm also assuming that what's missing from my flow chart is a continuation of like the orthodox side of things that probably goes on a little bit further than just stopping at russia and greek and turkey coming in and turning everyone onto Islam. well we
0: also we also didn't talk about the armenian church which is also another
2: that an orthodox one or is it that...
0: it's its own thing They're a whole. Oh okay thing. oh geez uh, i don't even know i don't know i mean i have a lot
2: of blank space but it won't be connected to anything if i put it on now there's
0: also like the nestorian <laughs> christians uh, who the maronites in india but yeah, no, it's honestly like when it comes to sex in general it's just a it's just a giant clusterfuck.
2: Yes, yes, uh, my my notes are very clusterfucky. Uh well, thank you guys for this very detailed sex education. Um <laughs> <and> <laughs> I have some hilarious uh notes in here. I feel like that but could be a good hashtag
1: too. for this episode is sex education. Mhm.
2: I like to write that the uh, the Cathars uh, wrote their own new Jesus fanfic set in the angel alternate universe. He was an angel, not necessarily the son of God. I don't know. Uh, but they got crusaded, <laughs> <laughs> and that's in the notes. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is a mess. Christianity consider consolidating. There's a lot of um. A lot of unnecessary detail, probably, and the minor differentiation between some of these sects—Protestantism, uh, I'm looking your way, in particular. Maybe you guys can like work out like something that just kind of unifies the whole thing again. You need an editor, is <laughs> 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 you, need, you need an editor, <laughs> maybe to come in, you know, and just cut out some of the unnecessary parts, some of the redundancies. That's my suggestion.
0: Uh, just looking at here third party from the outside, uh, looking in. Jen, I just see, like, a question mark over your head, like, multiple question marks over your head just being, like...
2: It's a lot of why, but why, though? Couldn't you all just be Lutherans and just have, like, slightly different, like, just do things a little bit differently? You don't have to make a new thing? Or Protestants, I mean, or just be Protestant, and then why does it have to be so many? I guess this could be an ongoing thing in this series where I'm just gonna be like, hey ex-religious group consider hiring an editor because <laughs> uh boy this is confusing
0: uh, i would just like to point out that um in all of these situations you uh a woman was not in charge yeah i
2: imagine maybe if there was a woman who was like at some of these councils or whatever and she'd be like if you don't like wine maybe you can just have some other beverage that will turn into jesus blood <laughs> Consider that.
0: Maybe maybe well, you want to
2: finishes That seems like a great way to start a Sunday morning.
0: Um. well in some like <laughs> Presbyterian uh churches and stuff, they'll instead of doing like bread and wine, they do grape juice and good yeah. bread. Yeah, I was raised on grape juice. You wouldn't have communion every like service. It'd be like yeah. once a month or something weird.
2: Make it a special, like, Jesus brunch where, like, you have a sacred mimosa and, like, some <laughs> sacred crepes and, you like, some of you believe that it's really just a crepe and some mimosa and others I mean, can be like, no, nah, this cool is human flesh. Hawaiian roles.
0: I will say, growing up Catholic, there was no weird prohibitions against booze, at least where I was raised. I feel like that's
1: more of a Baptist thing.
0: Yeah, like my husband's family but when they were younger they would like hide they would have alcohol in the house but they would hide it so no one would see it if they came over which sounds like a huge drag meanwhile my family's like oh i has got a three-year-old's birthday party who's mm-hmm. bringing the kegs yeah it just seems like you know like for, for tip for you baptist like I
2: see that you really enjoyed the pool party aspect of the ritual. Um, So like, and if you don't want to drink at the pool party, like that's fine. Like, but like you could still hang out with other people and just do your own thing. Like, why do you have to, you don't have to isolate yourselves. You know, if you like a particular ritual, you don't have to make a whole new, like, you know, offshoot of it. You could just emphasize it in your own like practice. All right. Where's the
1: fun in that? Gatekeeping
2: the pool party. I didn't realize this was a pool party in a private gated community. My bad. <laughs> I'll bring my my public pool ass back to the community <laughs> rec center. Then
0: I guess. Oh boy. <laughs> Speaking of boys, um, I hope that you will all join us next time for our episode christ the bad boy where we talk about the really fucked up things jesus did in his childhood that's not necessarily canon to most people but (laughs) it's really fun
2: the medieval fan fiction of jesus's childhood uh you know i have a feeling i'm going to be equally entertained and horrified by the things that you're
0: going to tell me i'm really i'm really looking forward to it (laughs) all right well until next time